What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 11 of Lockdown Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Just before recording this, it was announced that Michigan has discovered two cases of coronavirus, so I'm currently recording this episode uh, inside of a hazmat suit. Scary times. I think this is about the 10th time already in 2020. It's March 11th right now where the the world has seemingly been coming to an end. So we just got to keep fighting through it. A lot of people are freaking out about this. I'm not one of them. Another thing too, quick tangent before I talk about the Tigers. Will someone explain to me why there's such a massive crossover audience between sports Twitter and bachelor slash, slash bachelorette Twitter? I can't open my Twitter feed without getting bombarded with 10 Bachelor tweets. What's the crossover audience there? I I don't get it. Is it guys whose wives make them watch? I don't understand. I don't think so because these people seem to be really, really into it. I've never watched a single episode of it. And hey, if you get enjoyment out of it, fine. It's a little bit annoying reading constant uh, tweets about it on my Twitter feed or going through them on my my Twitter feed. Also, apparently this, this Bachelorette or Bachelor finale was Lord of the Rings Return of the King length. It was six hours long. I've been reading live tweets about it for the last seven hours. I don't understand. Anyway, let's move on. Tigers played a spring training game yesterday. They won 4-1 to and actually a pretty interesting game. You had two home runs, one from CJ Krohn, who's put up some very good numbers this spring. I, I have no doubt CJ Krohn's going to hit the baseball in Detroit. He, he's hit the baseball everywhere he's gone so far in his career. He's a good hitter, and I think the... the possibility of having a relatively healthy Miguel Cabrera in the number three spot and CJ Crone probably in the cleanup role is, is a pretty enticing one-two punch. Jamer homered yesterday as well. Much needed home run for Jamer Candelario. One thing that was brought up, and I can't remember who it was that brought it up either. I know I, sh- I should remember this. Jamer Candelario is a much better hitter from the right side, and he's a switch hitter. We've seen guys in the past, I think Shane Victorino, most notably the Flying Hawaiian, being uh, one of the more recent ones, who was a switch hitter who decided to go exclusively from the right side, and an extended Shane Victorino's career was one of the main reasons for the Red Sox World Championship back in 2013. Spring training's a time where you try new stuff. Maybe Jamer should consider, just for a few games, uh, going exclusively right-handed and seeing where it takes him. Just food for thought. Pitching-wise, Matt Boyd pitched, pitched four and a third of an innings, got the win. Apparently, the rules are different in spring training. I didn't know this. In spring training, you don't have to go five innings in order to get the win. Matt Boyd, only four and a third yesterday, got the victory. Not that it matters, just an interesting little uh, footnote for you. This is a, a word I rarely use, especially to describe anyone on this team. Matt Boyd looks phenomenal. Uh, really good. Four and a third, three hits, one earned run, one walk, five strikeouts. As we've talked about, he's utilizing all of his pitches. That curveball especially, which wasn't a weapon for him and really hasn't been throughout his career, looks very good. Has a really good bite to it. He got strikeouts yesterday with his fastball, changeup, curveball, and slider. And look, in fairness, Matt Boyd has been the ace of spring training in each of the last four years. Going back to 2017, people saying, oh, this is the year Matt Boyd's going to step up. And he did, but also he didn't. He's been, for the most part, a very average to even below average pitcher in his time here in Detroit. Was better last year, put up some tremendous strikeout numbers, but fell apart in the second half. Look, if Matt Boyd goes out this year and pitches some great baseball, like ace-level baseball, and becomes a really hot commodity at the trade deadline, I will absolutely eat my words in saying that last year I thought Matt Boyd should have gotten dealt at the deadline. Maybe, who knows, maybe the Tigers were onto something. Maybe they felt like he hadn't peaked. Maybe they felt like he uh, he was going to be more valuable come 
the trade deadline this year. There's 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 a chance of that. But he looks very very good and pitching with a lot of confidence. He'll be the opening day starter, and I'd be shocked if he wasn't. I think he's earned it as critical as I've been of him at points. He's far and away the most versatile, best pitcher on this staff, bar none. Joe Jimenez threw a scoreless inning yesterday. He's pitched pretty well in the spring. He hasn't allowed a run. The one thing about him as well, Gardy brought up yesterday that Joe will be the closer in 2020. No surprise there. Wasn't much of a secret at all. Joe Jimenez, I would say, had a fairly disappointing season a year ago. Though I will say, after he took over the closer's role, which was July 31st when Shane Green got traded, there are some positive numbers there. 9 for 10 in save opportunities, a 2 and 1 record, 18 and 2 thirds innings, 24 strikeouts, an ERA of 289. That's really good, but when you look at some of the more advanced numbers, batting average against 270, that's not good. 333 on base percentage, that's not good. 486 slugging, 820 OPS, not positive at all, and a 348 batting average on balls hit in play as well. He gave up a lot of hard contact last year and allowed a lot of base runners. I still believe somewhere in Joe Jimenez, who is still young, there is a an elite reliever in the major leagues. He's just got to find it. And I think he's got to work on just developing his off-speed stuff and trusting it more. You know, in the minor leagues, he was able to, to get a ton of outs and blow guys away with heaters. He has a good fastball. It's not a great fastball. I don't think it's as good as he thinks it is or a, as good as Rick Anderson or any any of the Tigers coaches seem to believe it is. It is fine. He needs to... to be more confident and throw a wrinkle in some of his stuff sometimes. I think in two strike counts, guys are sitting on fastball with him. He needs to be able to throw that change up and slider with more confidence. And if he does, I still think he can be a very, very good reliever here. Another guy I want to talk about just real quick is Gregory Soto. He got the save yesterday. You know, Gregory Soto last season was... Well, he was a disaster in 33 games. He started 7, a 5-7-7 ERA, 0-5 record. Some of the more advanced numbers are astonishing. A whip of 1-8-5-5, which is abysmal. Hits per 9 of 11.5, which is... That's terrible, obviously. But you would think a guy who gives up a lot of hard contact and a lot of hits would be someone who keeps the ball in the zone maybe too often. 5.2 walks per nine innings a season ago as well. I mean, there's nothing about any of those numbers that is uh, uh, appealing at all. But there is one thing about him that does give me some hope. Dude throws hard. And you look at recent history, some of these elite bullpens, you know, Houston last year or New York or the Royals, obviously, in 2015, what the Rays currently have. They got guys coming out of the pen who throw just as hard, if not harder, than Joe Jimenez. And Joe Jimenez is considered to be the flamethrower in this bullpen. I'm not saying Gregory Soto is going to be any good, but I want to see him pitching a lot at Comerica this year because I think dude dude hit 100 yesterday right? In, in, on the radar gun. Now, we don't know how, how reliable some of the radar guns are at some of the spring training facilities, but even if he didn't hit 100, he came pretty darn close. I think there is upside there. And you know what? The team's going to be terrible. Let him pitch the 7th and 8th inning. See if he can be the setup guy for this team. Why not? What do you have to lose? 110 games instead of 105? Go ahead and try it. Try it out, man. See if Gregory Soto can figure it out and develop some semblance of off-speed stuff and be able to you know, keep the ball in the zone and blow guys away with heaters. I, I think he does have some upside. He won't be a starter. That was another thing that they did last year that was stupid. He doesn't have the stuff to be a starter. He's a, he's a one-pitch pitcher right now. Of course, he got rocked in every game that he started. But I think as a one-inning guy, there's the possibility of upside there. I'm not saying he's going to be any good, but I, I think they should give him as many opportunities this year at Comerica Park as they possibly can. 
Uh, so that's going to do it for segment one. When we get back here, I'm going to talk about an article uh, from Forbes, of all places, by Jules Posner, who wrote an article that was entitled, Lloyd McClendon has shifted roles, but his hitting philosophies still haunt young Detroit Tigers batters. Some really interesting stuff, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. And we're back. So Jules Posner, analyst for Forbes Sports, who covers both the Detroit Tigers and San Francisco Giants, wrote a really interesting piece yesterday about the struggles that some of the young Tigers hitters have dealt with. I'm not going to read off the whole article or even part of it. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter, at Jules Posner, at J-U-L-E-S-P-O-S-N-E-R, but I will paraphrase it here. Essentially, for people who don't know, first of all, the Tigers rearranged the deck chairs of their coaching staff in the offseason. Lloyd McClendon, no longer the hitting coach. I believe he's a bench coach now. Joe Vavra, now the Detroit Tigers hitting coach, which is a a positive thing. But this article talks about some of the struggles that guys like Jamer Candelario and Kristen Stewart have dealt with and how some other people like Jacoby Jones and Jake Rogers, who have adjusted their swings, didn't go through the Tigers hitting coaches to do so. They sought other outlets, which at least in Jacoby Jones's case, allowed him to, I don't know about thrive, but definitely improve as a hitter last year. I am going to read this one part from the very beginning of the article. He says, baseball is changing. The Tigers are changing slowly. Jamer Candelario and Kristen Stewart may be the victims of an organization that fails to fully embrace new ideas. Look at the San Francisco Giants, another rebuilding team. San Francisco seems to have fully embraced progressive organizational philosophies. The Tigers, not so much. The Giants hired three new hitting coaches to create a brain trust to help the influx of young hitters and veterans maximize their abilities. One thing that the Giants have embraced that the Tigers have not is experimenting with swing changes. In fact, watching the Giants broadcast this spring, the buzz phrase around camp seems to be swing changes. When you see Candelario and Stewart walk up to the plate with the same relative swings as last season, you have to wonder why this is not happening in Detroit. Both players are coming off of disappointing 2019 seasons. While teammates Rogers and Jones seem to be benefiting from major adjustments, Stewart and Candelario seem to be utilizing methods that are tried but untrue. That's very telling. Now, I will speak about the Tigers' uh, changing, I guess, of, of hitting coaches here, or the rearranging of the deck chairs. I thought that was pathetic. You saw teams that had good seasons last year still make adjustments with their hitting and pitching coaches. For the Tigers to have lost 114 games and not make a single change other than rearranging the deck chairs is frankly insulting, quite honestly. The Yankees won 100 plus games last year, fired their pitching coach because they have a culture of winning. Lloyd McClendon Uh, Maybe he's a wonderful guy. Perhaps he is. In fact, to be quite honest with you, I would guess he probably has to be. Because in my opinion, there's no way that a guy who has essentially never done a job well in Major League Baseball since he's left, uh, since his playing days, keeps falling in to big time jobs. But quite simply, the guy was a poor hitting coach and it showed last year. So they rearranged the deck chairs. Whoop-de-doo. The last time that happened in this state was a year ago where Michigan State football, who in 2018 uh, couldn't snap a ball, rearranged the deck chairs. They changed, they put the names in a hat and pulled them out, as my friend Justin Spiro said, and rearranged things, moving guys around. And they went from uh, 2018, a team that couldn't snap a football to 2019 being a team that simply couldn't score a touchdown. Whoop-de-doo. I expect probably something similar will happen here 
in Detroit. But like I said, this article, I, I recommend everybody go out and read it, is very telling. Other teams are far ahead of the game in terms of how players approach the game offensively. It is astonishing to me that the idea of simple swing changes is not a basic principle in this organization right now, quite honestly. I'm not going to act like I know a ton about swing changes or approaches at the plate by players offensively. I, I didn't play this game. That's for other people like our friend Jules here to, to, to comment on, I would say. What I can speak on is the culture. And I think the fact that other players have sought alternative routes, other ways of changing their swing, they've gone to other coaches, which isn't extremely uncommon, but when you have a, a large contingency of guys like your Jamers and like your Kristen Stewarts and your Dowell Lugos who are simply offensively inept and have all they all have the same thing in common. They've all had the same hitting coaches in the major leagues over the last several years. I never heard a single person question Kristen Stewart's ability to hit the baseball until he got to Detroit. I never heard a single person say that they didn't believe Jamer Candelario wouldn't be able to hit successfully in the major leagues until they got to Detroit. That is very, very scary and very telling to me, and I think it speaks once again to the fact that there is a a, a culture here of, of apathy and quite frankly, loserdom, to be completely honest with you. Because you can have all the talent in place. You can have all the prospects. You can hit on every trade and every single draft pick. But if you don't have the guys in place to develop said talent, you're not going to go anywhere. The Dodgers, and yes, I know, they haven't won a World Series. We get it. But the, the reason the Dodgers are like in an almost flawless organization in terms of development is because they hire guys who know what they're doing. They are advanced. They have 21st century baseball brains. They use analytics. And like Jules talks about here, they incorporate things like swing changes. And they have not only helped make guys' careers, but revived guys' careers. Matt Kemp was an afterthought, had an all-star season in 2018 with the Dodgers. How many guys do you see doing that in Detroit? Don't give me JD Martinez. That was that was an outlier. That was the one exception. The Astros were stupid to cut him. But there's a big enough sample size now to support the fact that something very clearly isn't working and something needs to change. Now look, they rearranged the deck chairs. I've said that a million times now. Rearrange the deck chairs. I'm like uh, Al Gore in that one presidential debate where he kept saying lockbox. Rearranging the deck chairs is my lockbox. I apologize. But they've changed up coaches a little bit. It's the same personnel. It's the same people. It's the same culture. So I have serious doubts. This is this is a troubling article when you read the whole thing. The more I read it, the more frustrated I got in this organization. We're, yesterday, I provided you with some optimism. And even in the first segment today, I provided you with some optimism. But it scares me about the people who are running the ship here, how they're going to be able to develop a farm system that is admittedly full of some pretty solid young talent. Now, the pitchers, that's another thing. But I'm talking just in terms of hitting. Reading stuff like this, it scares me. And so that will conclude episode 11. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2-0-1-4. If you want to follow this show on Twitter, you can. That's at Tigers. And if you have a question for the show, please send it to that 
Twitter account, or you can email us as well, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. You can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, and please go ahead and go to iTunes and leave a review. A positive review would be much appreciated. It always makes my day. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to support. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.